Welcome back to another episode of Authentic Influence. I'm your host, Adam Connor. First of all, hope you're doing well, staying safe, all that good stuff during this quarantine crisis. And if you are home with your kids or your pets, hope that everybody is staying sane. We're going to talk a little bit more about pets today. And first off, if you're new to this show, I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. It's a show which is all about how innovative and exciting brands are mobilizing their masses, mostly their customers, to become more authentic as a business. And today, I have a very special conversation with Hendrik Werdlin. Hendrik founded Bark, and of course known for BarkBox and now plenty of other business lines, is the fastest growing pet brand out there today. And so we talk all about the story to found Bark, as well as the things that they do today to connect with their passionate pet owners. It doesn't hurt that Henrik also has a book which was just released called The Acorn Method, How Companies Get Growing Again. So we talk about that as well as some of the lessons that he's learned along the way to building this fantastic and massive brand. It was a treat. I do get to talk to founders from time to time, and when I do, they are super impressive, and Henrik is definitely impressive. So I invite you to sit back if you have a dog, cuddle up with it, and listen in to our conversation today with, from Bark, Henrik Werdlin. All right, everybody, I am here with Henrik Werdlin from Bark. Henrik, it's an honor. How are you? Thanks for coming on the show, first off. I guess I'm good. It's interesting times, uh, but I'm very happy that um, you want to have me on. Yeah, I, I well, interesting times, of course. How are you spending all this quarantine time? What are you doing? Well, you know, like I'm just trying to <laughs> to get the whole thing to work out. I have uh, a three-month-old son, baby, and I have a six-year-old, and so definitely spending a lot of time, uh, you know, trying to make sure they don't go crazy, um, and my wife too. Um, so I spend a lot of time with that, and then I spend a lot of time... Uh, making sure um, the dogs that we serve in Bark are, are happy and, and, the, and the people that work me, with me too. Yeah, it's definitely a common theme that I've heard. A lot of the guests that I have on this show have little ones at home. Matter of fact, sometimes we hear them. They sometimes they feature uh, on the show. So if they do today, I'll totally understand. Uh, but uh, enough, enough about that. Let's talk. Uh, I want to dive into to your journey. Obviously, it's a super impressive one with Bark, but I know you've also just written a book. I want to talk about that. And of course, get to learn a little bit more about how you interact uh, with with the subscribers to Bark and just how you get into the minds of pet lovers themselves. So uh, it's uh, quite a couple of subjects to cover. We'll start with the first. Um, When did the idea of Bark come into your head? Well, I think the idea for Bark was kind of one of those things that unfortunately we don't have kind of like a picture perfect story because uh, it was very organic. Um, I met my co-founders um, while I was kind of trying to figure out what to do next. And uh, and initially, I, I met Matt, um, and we were on a on a conference that happened to be on a cruise ship, as it were. Um, and it might be a fun story. We were um, we were in a um, yeah. Let's hear about the cruise ship. Yeah. <laughs> well, so um, uh, if you took like the cheap ticket, you would uh, you would get automatically paired with somebody else, and they'll just put you in a cabin. And um, and they kind of like have kindly taken this like hardship bed and pushed it apart. So you had two separate beds because obviously you didn't know who you were getting paired with. Right. And I thought it'd be hilarious to put those beds together. So uh, I did and, and went out for a drink and then came back a little bit later than Matt, who had gone to bed yeah, earlier than me. And so the first time I ever meet Matt, we're like in a cruise ship 
in a hot shaped bed and, and trying all really? to shake shake hands <laughs> over the, the duvet. Um, so, uh, but I, and I think it was funny because we're, you know, on the outside, we're not, you know, I'm from Copenhagen, Matt is like from Iowa. And so we're probably not two people that would normally kind of get together, but we, we start to talk a lot about business building and values and, and things like that. And, and we've had in many ways similar experiences. And so, we kind of wanted to do something together. And at the time we were kind of into building something that was just a small profitable build uh, business, probably not something that had, um, that would raise capital or anything. And so uh, we brainstormed and, and Matt had, uh, have a dog called Hugo, which is this big great Dane here in New York. And it was complaining that it was really difficult to find cool stuff. And my wife and I was kind of uh, uh, fostering dogs. And so we kind of thought, hey, why don't we just make a, one of these subscription services and we'll find really cool stuff and, and we'll put them in a box and, and send it out. And so um, we didn't think it would be that big of a business. And then little did we know that we had stumbled into this huge industry um, <laughs> where, where there wasn't really a defining brand. So that was kind of how it started. Wow. So uh, it's great how those organic things come together. And of course, <laughs> funny how you, how you met your <laughs> the guy who would eventually found this business with you. So then over time, what, what have you learned the most about this unexpectedly blockbuster business um, that uh, maybe you weren't expecting to? Well, I think we were fortunate because that we didn't think it would be a big business, that we did things that at the time was not necessarily considered best practice, but later on kind of became that. Um, we built a very robust business that had a very kind of easy to understand business model, and we were very frugal and made sure that you know, we had a good CACTEL TV. Um, we were really serving ourselves, and so we built like the values of just hiring obsessive dog you know quirky obsessive dog lovers into our into our organization and we didn't take it too serious and so for example from a content point of view um we always kind of like wrote more about dog as a lifestyle than kind of dog as a utility and so the content was always more about you know how do you what do you do if your dog doesn't like your boyfriend than it was about how do you clean the paws of your dog and so i think we we stumbled into a lot of things that turned out to be lucky for us um but maybe less because that we were very thoughtful about it a little bit more because that it just came from being a passion rather than kind of, we wanted to build a big business. Interesting. So being able to take the the pressure off that maybe others might have if they say, all right, well, now I'm going to build the next billion dollar business and oh, I'm not growing enough or I'm not fast enough. Oh my God, you didn't have that at all. You just said, well, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Yeah. And I, well, and I think, you know, though, one thing though that I have noticed with that is that it worked pretty quickly and and I built, you know, I've been involved in other businesses before and, and sometimes, you know, I think now I, I think that success is pretty obvious pretty early and, and, and failure is a little bit more opaque because we launched the product and, you know, even before we brought, like the way that we, we got the product to market was not that we kind of built for two years and then we launched, it was really, we built like a little landing page and then walked down to dog parks and our friends and said, Hey, we're thinking about launching this. What do you think? And, you know, the first few weeks people were like, Oh, that's great. Just sign me up when you're ready. And we're like, well, we have square on our phone. So we'll just take your credit card now. And then, and, and you are signed up. And so before we had any idea of how to even do this, we had 70 kind of um, customers and and then we had to kind of figure out how the hell we actually would service them. Um, right. And I think in many ways that kind of like was, so it always kind of like worked pretty quickly, um, but it was also always kind of like, how do we make dogs happy? And that was kind of our driver. Talk about building one-to-one -one personalized relationships, just walking over to the dog park and having them swipe their card. That's pretty good. 
Yeah, we still do that. I, you know, we have we talk to about a third of our customers every month. Uh, we have um, quite a big team sitting in Columbus, Ohio, and uh, call, we call it the happy team. And they're really the heart and the soul of our organization. They talk to our customers and they ask them how their dogs are doing and ask them if there's anything we can do to make their dogs even happier. And then they're kind enough to tell the, us about problems they have and that makes us build products and services to serve them. Sure. Yeah. And it's great to get that direct response and be able to build directly off of that. Um, and over time, it's I'm sure led to new ideas and new lines of business. And I'm segueing pretty hard here, but you've now memorialized all of that, at least uh, in, in a new book. And I want to hear from you directly about what inspired you to write it. For those uh, who aren't aware, Henrik has just released a book called The Acorn Method, How Companies Get Growing Again. And I thought that was a really interesting way to put it. Um, who is it targeted for? But generally, what's the book about? Well, the book is about how do you keep growing as a business. And I think the insight for for me was that sometimes people just try to grow their business in a, in my view, wrong way. Um, and so uh, the analogy is like trees and acorns. And, and I think what trees have learned over 385 million years of of evolution is that at one point when you get to a certain size, the trick is really to invent a new system for regeneration rather than just try to become a bigger tree. And so figuring out like how do you build products and services around your co-organization is something that really can make sure that you get propelled to be kind of like a forest instead of just a big tree. And if you really look at Apple and you look at Google and a couple of other other companies that have done really well over the last 20, 30, 50 years, um, they really managed to do so. And I think what we've done at Barg is taking the same playbook where we said, well, you know, obviously we have the box, but we need to have brand permission to service our customers in many ways. And and so now we serve them by making a cool dental product called Buck Bright. And we uh, have membership dog parks and we have an active toy line called uh, Super Chewer and we make bets and pee pads and, and what have you. And so uh, the book is really about the, uh, I guess, the philosophical stand of not just focusing on coal, but building um, a diverse set of products and services. And then it's the practical step that I've used uh, at Barg, but also as an advisor to some big companies kind of trying to do so. Interesting. Well, I can't wait to get into it myself, folks. It's available on Amazon now, so go get it or go read it or you know, do, whatever you, do whatever you can to get access to this because um, it's direct advice from somebody who's built the biggest or fastest growing pet brand out there. So um, pretty good place to start, at least if you haven't read a book like this before. Uh, Henry, I want to ask you a question because this show a lot of times uh, dives almost immediately. We're not doing it here and that's okay. So there's plenty more to talk about, but pretty, pretty soon after we jump into the conversation goes into how these brands are talking to customers in differentiated ways, building better relationships, and in a way uh, becoming more authentic as a brand in that per the namesake of the show. Uh, your expertise, at least as you've just told me with that book, is related to sort of growing new branches of a business similar to how an oak tree drops acorns. Have you experienced something similar in the way that you differentiate the conversations that you have with customers? And I understand that while some of the ways you may interact with them is as early, is as consistent as it was with the early days, I'm sure that's developed as well. Do you mind going into a little detail about that? Yeah, I can I mention a few things that, that comes to mind. I think one of them is that we really believe in not just personalization, but really about being personal. Uh, our subject matter is something that people correct, 
care a great deal about. Uh, these are not just kind of like, here's a product and you can get it for $2 less than you can get it somewhere else. Like this is about building something that makes your best friend happy. And, and in that way also strengthen the relationship between docs and their people. And we, we take that very serious. And, and, but what we also learned is that docs are not just docs, like docs are individual characters and they have their preferences. And so what we learned pretty quickly was that we needed to make something that supported a core play style, for example, that they want. But then we also needed to make sure that it was personal to that dog. You know, we need to make sure that if your dog is allergic to a chicken, then we can't send you chicken. Um, and so one of the things that we've really been doing, both on the brand side and on the product side, is to try to really not just be broadcast and not just shouting at people, but really trying to have a dialogue with them so that we can understand specifically what their dog like and, and how we can make them happy. I think that's kind of like one element is kind of like personalization at scale, uh, which, which I think we've we've been somewhat successful with. And the second thing is, I think we have this idea of velocity, like maybe stealing from the acorn method, like a tree drops a lot of acorn. And I think we've always have this idea that we should experiment a lot and we should just have high velocity of experiments that we put into the market. And so we have done a ton of stuff. Many of the things haven't worked, but uh, the stuff that worked really worked. But I think in terms of brand, what we really have had to do was to create an inside out brand where a lot of people in the organization had the permission to talk to their customers. Um, and we trusted that they would do that with um, authenticity. Um, but that also allowed us to just have many more touch points and try many more things uh, in how we expressed our brand and connected with our audience. Well, that's a fantastic philosophy to have to always be testing, 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 do it quickly. Uh, like that high velocity that you just said. Uh, I'm, I'm curious because, of course, you have found plenty of ways which are working really well. Do you have a standout example of, or two of things that didn't work so well or maybe were considered more impersonal than personal and, and what you took away from that? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I mean, like, I'm not in general that much into kind of like one takeaway. Like, I do think that uh, brand and stuff like that is in its subtlety. And so um, sometimes I kind of like try to avoid terminology that make it sound so like, and then we did X and that propelled us up. You know, obviously that would be super easy if you could just say, hey, just do this. But unfortunately, I don't find it, it works like that. Um, but uh, to talk about things that didn't work, um, what was a good example? And one thing that we've been trying to get to work for a long time is uh, conversational content. Um, and so um, we we have quite a lot of chatbots and things like that that we've been trying to use to engage and at one point i was really into this idea that we could try to invent a new content type which was a conversational content type where you would send me you know something about your dog and then together we can kind of invent you know, some time of entertainment that would kind of be back and forth um, and so we launched that and try you know, all these choose your own adventure kind of games and and never really managed to do that because it was so difficult for us not to kind of fall into a little bit more of a broadcast mentality. Um, and then I think the audience were just thinking that we were shouting at them. Um, so that's probably one of the things that didn't work. But we do, you know, I think we have tens of millions of followers on social. And, and so we have some stuff that really works. And, you know, we've done dog raps, you know, dog mom raps really work. And sometimes we even make a mistake. Well, I'll give you a funny example of recently. So we made a mistake in the sense of we, we launched a, a product uh, that was pigs in the blanket. 
Um, unfortunately, if the way it was photographed and if you had a bit of a dirty mind, it looked like a sex toy for some people. Now, interesting. honestly, we did not see that. So we posted this and thought it was great. Um, and then somebody uh, posted immediately after we launched uh, this post, wrote something to the extent of like, I just can't believe that you guys didn't see that this looked like a sex toy. Um, and, uh, Alexis, who, uh, who was running the, the account, uh, the social account at the time replied something to the extent of like, maybe we thought long and hard about it. Uh, oh my, at which point the internet just exploded, right? And everybody was just all over this. Now she is like, just incredibly funny. So she just like was on a tear, like in the comments, but what happened was it was a really, uh, people thought it was hilarious. And, and I think also just very liberating that we didn't kind of like that we just leaned into it. Um, yep. And so uh, we sold a lot of toys uh, that day and we kind of picked up on that a few months later where somebody uh, at our team reminded us that 420 was coming up. And I was going to ask about this. <laughs> Go ahead. Tell <laughs> yeah, me about like, this. Well, you know, I, I'm not that versed in that culture, but like uh, for, for 420 is kind of like, uh, as I understand the, uh, the n almost like national day for cannabis, right? All the, the, the day where you kind of celebrate uh, smoking a joint. Yeah, so um, and so uh, we launched a toy that celebrated that for, for dogs, which were basically a dog toy that looked like a joint. And uh, same thing, like people, it really resonated with people and people thought it was hilarious. And so uh, um, I think that's kind of like where we, where we, it's not just a campaign, it's really a dialogue. And, and what makes it fun is not just that we push something out, is that we push something out, but then we, we really interface with people through the comments and, and make it even more fun by, by kind of like almost making a little event around it. Right. Well, that is, I'm glad that you brought that up because these are sort of certainly inventive and, and, and creative tactics, which allow you to basically, I mean, it sounds like with that first one that you mentioned, the pigs in a blanket one, it was just as much about launching that as it was about the response to it. And luckily that you had that, you had Alexis who was able to do that very well, um, that was a good resource to have in that situation. But this idea of leaning into it and being refreshing and not, I suppose, not taking yourself too seriously, obviously, with the, with the 420 thing, uh, that is great. I mean, I love I love hearing stories like that. And I'm glad that you brought it up so I didn't have to like <laughs> manually ask about it. But um, surely that's that's the people who are enthusiastic about, about your products are probably even more so because they know that it's a fun and engaging brand and, and that it's something that they can have a laugh. It's not just something, it's not a one-stop shop for all their pet needs. You know, it's also somewhere where they can be entertained a little bit. Um, yeah, I yeah. think, you know, one thing that, you know, we learned when we started to make toys, you know, we make, I don't know, 36 new toys every month. Um, and so we see ourselves a little bit like Saturday Night Live or a, a you know, late night chat show or a sitcom. Like we, we have to be tied into the zeitgeist all the time and, and pop culture. Um, and so we, we try to, and but we have like a very naive and kind of like I would say kind of not too highbrow mission, and that is to make the dogs that we serve happy, right? And so I think we we always just put that foot forward, and 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 you know sometimes we do something and we're like, oh, that was maybe not the coolest thing, and then we apologized. But uh, but most of the time we just kind of like you know think a little bit like a dog would do, and and that would be just to be excited about stuff and and, and you know whack our tail and. Uh, and, uh, you know, just look goofy. 
Right. Exactly. So almost, yeah, exactly. Embody that, that disposition of a dog in, in the tactics that you do. That's, that's an interesting way to think about it as well. If I may ask about those uh, people then that react well and, and, and purchase, you know, 36 new toys a month, I guess, maybe not that many, but um, their stories, right? How they came to be involved with Barker, what they, what their first purchase was, is I'm sure now expanded as you have expanded your product portfolio to be a sort of one-stop shop. Plenty uh, of stories, I'm guessing, flow through to you and the team about how people who are passionate about their pets are spoiling them with all of the new things that Bark has to offer. I'm curious, and this is also a question I ask typically of, of CMOs and founders alike, how do you capture all that groundswell? Is there a way that you capture that and then amplify it at scale, similar to the way that you personalize relationships at scale? Uh, you know, not necessarily that structurally. Like, uh, I think we... You know, I heard this joke once, like, if you want to talk about yourself, call your mother. Um, and I think, you know, that's a little bit like the same thing for, for the brand, right? We, we're we a little bit just a, you know, a crew of, of, of pretty goofy dog lovers that try to have fun over in the corner of the internet. And, and then we hope a lot of people want to show up and, and have a, a party with us. Um, um, so I, I don't think necessarily we, we don't, we're not as active maybe as we could in kind of doing that. Now, there is like a hashtag called Bogbox Day, uh, which is one that we really enjoy following because people have all these different retro rituals where they, you know, unbox the box together with their family or most of the time the dogs know that it's for them. And so um, we have, we see videos of the dogs just going bananas because that they know the box is coming. Uh, we have videos from um, postal drivers that kind of knows that the box is for the dog. And so, um, so I think that's probably where it's most obvious. Um, but sometimes we, you know, we use our, uh, social to, to figure out what products we should do or if something would be fun enough. Like the, the other day, I, somebody, some of our designers posted some pictures of, I think, uh, the head of the design team said, Hey, what are you guys feeling right now? Like draw it, draw it as a dog toy. And they put a bunch of stuff up and we posted that and that got good buzz. And so now we're turning some of those things into, into toys. Interesting. So you're able to sort of take advantage of the moment and, and have your fun in the corner of the internet, as you say, that's great. And just, and hope that people come and have a good time. And I'm sure, you know what, I'm sure they, people come and they are entertained when they consume as well. But I bet you there's a lot of that happening at scale already just from like, well, those sort of in the same one-to-one -one way in which you built the business. I bet that there are people who are just like, you know, filming their little dog's reaction to like, I don't know, the sure the joint toy or whatever. And then and then sharing it around, you're getting a good a bit of buzz that way that you might not even be able to see. I'm, I bet you it's happening. Um, yeah, I think so too. And I think, you know, that's partly what we do it, right? We we sometimes, we have a, uh, for example, one toy that we made at one point it was called Consuelo the Cactus. And we thought it'd be hilarious to build a toy inside a toy. And so it was a cactus that was very happy on the outside. And then we thought it'd be hilarious that she was very sad on the inside. Um, <laughs> and so, Now, so is this we, like a toy that would be designed to be like torn up or like what was, yeah. would, they, would it be seen eventually? Well, we hope so, right? You know, so right. like then, you know, suddenly we just saw like we got a notification, like we got an intern we have like an internal Slack channel where somebody's like, okay, it's blowing up. And, you know, it was, it was on the front page of Reddit because people were just kind of going deep in their souls to figure out why Consuelo was having, was sat on the inside. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and so, but we obviously do that in part because we wanted people, we want to give people objects to kind of like do more stuff with their dogs because that's really what they want. Like a, uh, we have a bed on Amazon uh, 
you know, BarkBox bed, which, you know, in function and design, like it's the Scandinavian design bed and it looks pretty and it has, you know, like cooling gel. So your dog is not overheating and all these got good stuff, but it also comes with kind of like a little toy that looks like a pee. So you can test if your dog is a princess, you know, based on the fairy tale uh, princess and the pea. Sure, and, right. and in many ways, we obviously do that because we want people to have like a little fun experience as they're unboxing their bed and kind of having something fun they can do together with their dog. And and so I, I we we hope, of course, uh, that those kind of like get adopted by the uh, by the owner of their dogs and, and allow them to share something. Maybe give right. them an excuse to share a few more pictures of their dogs. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And. Uh... That's that viral effect, man. I mean, that's gotta that's gotta prove a boon to the business uh, every time it happens. But um, it's cool that you get to set it up that way, and that's such an <laughs> such an interesting design for a toy. I would think that's hilarious. I don't have a dog. I've been trying. My girlfriend, I've been I've been trying to convince her for years. We need a dog. That would be like the first thing I would get, <laughs> so I could share that kind the of trigger, thing. The trick is to convince her to uh, just foster for a little bit. Okay, just to see how it goes, just like as yeah. a trial. And then I have to admit, like most people, you know, like myself, I have a an amazing dog called Molly, and she uh, she's you know she was picked up on the streets in Mobile, Alabama, and we got to foster her for a little bit, and then you know she just stole our heart, and so now she's she's our princess, and uh, we spend most of our time trying to figure out how we can do stuff to make her happy. She's getting a bit spoiled now, and she looks at me when I don't serve organic stuff and go like, "Who do you think I am?" And I'm really? like trying wow. to remind her that she used to be kind of eating. Scratch, uh, trash in in Alabama, but um, I yeah, think right. she's luckily forgot that by now. Yeah, well, I, well, I, ho- I hope so. But uh, <laughs> well, you know, it's up to the dogs got great taste, I guess. <laughs> Who knows? Um, interesting. Well, uh, this has been fascinating <laughs> to learn a, a, a little bit about, and um, you know, folks, obviously. You'll know BarkBox well. You'll know everything that Bark has to offer. Um, what are some of the newest uh, newest ways that people can be interacting with a brand and the newest sort of stuff that people can pick up, Hendrik? Uh, I want to hear it directly from you. Well, a new thing that we are launching that we haven't been promoting that much is something called Bark Bright. And it's uh, a new uh, way for you to make sure that your dog's dental care is taken care of. Uh, a lot of people that have dogs that have bad breath, and while that could be annoying in itself, it's often also kind of a, like it has an underlying issue and it can be uh, damaging for the dog. And so we came up with this kind of like uh, enzymatic toothpaste, uh, which we ported over from Europe. Um, and then we uh, we made like a system where you basically have a little you know edible tooth uh, toothbrush and then you put some toothpaste on it and you give it your dog every day and that takes care of the the dental problem for your dogs and so it's called bark bright on barkbright.com and, and so th- that's a you know that's the one that i'm most proud of right now um i mean like in general like if people follow us on twitter on on facebook or on instagram like then uh, <laughs> we'll be happy to share like uh, i hope they'll enjoy either uh, uh stupid memes or uh, or all the cute pictures that we have of dogs yeah I will go check it out, folks. And the, by the way, that like the health side is a really interesting. It's another interesting pivot and growing category. Uh, I feel, I, I know I know somebody who's trying to, to to break into this space as well and, and founded a business in this space, too. And I'm, I'm hoping they listen into this because I'm sure they're going to learn a bunch uh, and not just by by reading your book. And it's actually on that subject that I want to round out the conversation. Folks know what's coming who listen to the show often. It's our advice column. And I, I ask this question to everybody that comes on because our listeners are largely, they're either 
they're either marketers or people who have founded their own brand and they're trying to make their way. So they're either trying to make their brand the next bark or they're trying to climb the ladder to become a, a CMO in a lot of cases. But regardless, looking for advice from the people whose journeys they emulate like yours. Now, you've been able to memorialize a lot of this in a book, but I want to ask you the question here so you can tell me live. Typically, I ask in this part for advice on how to build a better brand or how to build more authentic relationships with people. And while I know earlier in this conversation, you normally don't take away just like one takeaway or one lesson, <laughs> I wonder if there's a standout story that you remember or a lesson that you had from a mentor along the way or a pitfall that maybe you avoided on the path to building the business that you've built today that is something which other folks can maybe have as their one takeaway from this uh, as they build their own businesses. So I'll leave that to you. And I wonder if you could give some advice in any of those forms. I guess there's two things. You know, when you said like somebody who, who you read that, that uh, you got inspired by, and this might be similar, two, two, two thoughts that came to mind. One is um, um, the, the founder of, of Virgin Group um, once kind of got asked, if you had only one advice to give to an entrepreneurial person, what would you say? And he replied, go to the gym. And so... I do think like in these days, it's probably a good reminder that if <laughs> yeah, you're not so. real vested and you don't feel like you're kind of like in on top of your own health, then it's probably difficult to be um, creative and, and kind of sparkly. Um, but the, I guess the, the thing that I find increasingly that I lean back to is an old Y Combinator advice, which is make things that don't scale. Um, I think we are so obsessed about like thinking about scale that sometimes we forget there's just a person sitting on the other side and and so we we forget empathy as a tool to make cool brands and cool products um and and you know like we still email a lot of our customers i still answer support emails and and we care about each of the individual of our customers even though we have in the millions and and i think it's very very important not to forget that even as you try to come up with AI and systems and chatbots and conversion funnels and all those different things, it's really just kind of like remind yourself that there is like one individual sitting in the other, other side. And if you do something dumb, you're wasting their time and you don't have the right to do that. And on the flip side, like if you really use empathy and you try to understand the problem that you uh, task to solve for them um, and you do that in a, in a, in a, meaningful way so that it resonates them, then there's probably a way to come up with a system to scale that solution. Interesting. Build something that doesn't scale. That plus the health advice. I haven't received either of those pieces of advice before <laughs> on the show. Seriously, I haven't. Especially not one related to health. I like, you know what a lot of people say? A lot of people say just like, know what your brand is. Know what your consumer is. It's fine advice, but to hear something, yeah, get get rest, you fool. Like, you know what I mean? Something yeah, like that. It's like, make, good, sure you're, make sure you're healthy. Have a good time. Like, you know, we have uh, a guy who, we have a team called the efficiency team that um, take care of, like it's kind of our HR and our operations team. They take care of all of us. Um, and the other day, one of the guys from that team called Alex, he made like this, the coolest rap like I've ever heard. And he put it on our internal Slack and he's just like the coolest guy to start with. But that rap was really, and it was about like, you know, where do you put your IT support uh, tickets or stuff like that, right? Like it was not, and but I think you know, like brand and and uh, inspiration comes from so many different elements. And I think one of the things that we managed to do at Bark is that we have a lot of very creative, talented people, not just in the in the design team, but across the board. And I think we really like to hang out together. And I think that kind of vibe 
uh, is is tough to fake. And so when people see our content or they play with our products, I think they can feel that warmth and that empathy. And and that's something that we that at least like makes me looking forward to to go to work or log in as it is these days. Yeah, interesting. Well, I uh, I'm glad you gave that perspective and that you have an example to to, to back it up. But yeah, it's just to have fun with it. I think people forget that a lot, especially especially right now. You know, a lot of people cooped up at home. I bet you they're not having as much fun as they normally would. Um, so good advice overall. Uh, thank you for 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 everything you've been able to to share here. Um, and I can't wait to to crack that book once again, folks. It's called the Acorn Method: How Companies Get Growing Again. And uh, Henrik, thank you so much for joining the show and sharing a little bit more of your story here. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to Henrik Wordlin from Bark for joining the conversation today. It's just another way that I can convince my girlfriend to let me get a dog. So appreciate that, as well as of course all the other insight that you provided. If you liked this show, here's what you can do. Follow us on LinkedIn, Authentic Influence Podcast. It's where all of our shows go, clips, other news, events, and they'll come later in the year after all this craziness is behind us. And you can stay tuned there. It's sort of like a content hub. And if you are subscribed across iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else, please stay subscribed there and consider leaving a rating and review. Finally, I am available on LinkedIn. Adam Connor, connect with me, write me, let me know what you want to see more of out of the show, and I'll be happy to bring it to you starting with our next episode, which I'll come back to you with real soon, highlighting another brand and how they're becoming more authentic every day through mobilizing their masses. And until then, for Authentic Influence, I've been your host, Adam Connor, and you'll hear from me again next time.